Salutation Shades, and welcome back to your one-stop shop for all things strange and unusual, talking with shadows. The conversation everyone has, but no one wants to admit to. Here with your host, Vic Waitley. And a thankfully COVID-free Marcus D. Oh my god, you need to get a whole freaking bio suit. You yes. get COVID exposure so often. Yeah, it was really bad. Like It was, thir- it was Thursday of last week. And I, we were getting ready to record, and then my wife comes home telling me that she tested positive for COVID, and I'm like, crap. So, yep. so I had to run out and go get a test for it, and then I threw a big monkey wrench into uh, our recordings. But uh, now we're here. <laughs> we're uh, going to be starting kicking off our whole month long talking about underwater paranormal phenomenon. And we're still here in our halfway completed new studio. N- not going to... S- you know, don't want to say maybe it kind of looks like we've got an underground bunker. A little bit. A little, basically, it's going to look like a bar set up. And then we're going to be adding the visual element. But right now, like, the electric still only half ran. The carpenter is still drawing up plans for the bar. At least we have a floor now and yeah. stuff like that. So, good on us. Yeah, like, it just kind of, <laughs> like, you know... We're claiming that we look like paranormal podcasters down here in the studio. Everybody else just thinks that we're like a doomsday couple. <laughs> Cap it up down here. It's either way. I still think that we look good. But it's going to be so cool when it's done. Yes. But since it's still July and we're being uh, patriotic with our alcohol, I guess, uh, we're going to be finishing off the Smirnoff Ice Red, White, and Berry limited edition they should make more of these because these are actually really good they, they pop up every summer did you already drink before i yeah announced i actually what we were... i actually forgot and took the cap off and started drinking someone is rushing today to get some alcohol i am i am mm. oh that's so good my esophagus is a little hurt today because i ate a too hot chicky nuggy i ate a too how old are you <laughs> No, I was eating some chicken nuggets and like I microwaved it. I mean, you know, like sometimes, like uh... no, 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 fully finish it too because it makes it because it's even worse that you got burned by a vegetarian. <laughs> it was chicken it was. Nug- chicken nuggy. But but you know how like when you microwave stuff, sometimes in the core it gets stupid hot and the outside so relatively cold. One of them was stupid, stupid, stupid hot. I bit into it. Everything was fine. When I swallowed it, it released all that steam and burnt up my esophagus. I had to, like, just grab some soda and just start chugging. Like, how are you always, like, bragging about you going to the gym and working out and getting real buff and real fat? And you're like, I bit a really hot vegetarian chicken nugget. You burned my mouth. Like, man, I am the most jacked soy boy you will ever see. I know. <laughs> That's what makes it worse. Mm. I like subverting stereotypes. You were succeeding today. Oh, man. Um, if you guys haven't already, go check out our last episode where we talked about entombed animals, where we finally got to talk about the topic that never was, uh, talking about this whole phenomenon of, of lizards and amphibians and mammals too, being found encased in wood and solid stone being broken open and crawling out alive. Very weird phenomenon. Very strange. I've been going back for hundreds of years. Uh, Although I did say in a previous episode, there's no scientific explanation for it. And then I found some some that might work. But in this episode, I promise you to bring you something scientifically pretty much impossible. So weird. It's, it's bizarre. I, I, I say look at it because there are some weird reasons about why more people are not looking into this. Um, all right, let's go over some comments. Jay the Phoenix, patron, says, So I've been, I've seen something similar, I think. Uh, I was excavating a hillside to install a road salt holding area. The idea being the ground would prevent freezing. This fleshy white sack tumbles out of the hillside on a scoop of dirt and turns out to be a pale frog. Didn't see a hole or anything. It seemed like its skin was stretched around somehow like a barrier. Oh, yeah. This this sounds very similar because a lot of them talk about them having this uh, growth over their eyes and mouths 
And it has to be that mucus barrier, that mucus shield that frogs can create to, like, seal in their own moisture. I would wonder what time it... Is it said what time of year this was? Mm-mm. Out of curiosity, if you could respond with what time of year that was. Gabriel Yu says... I think it's difficult to get a fun I think it I think it's difficult to get funding to study this phenomenon. I don't think all biologists discount this, but it's difficult to make a case for it, largely because there's probably isn't enough collectible data. Difficult to study with so few specimens per time they're found. I'm gonna argue with that only in which I do know how like some of the studies that we do with like animals, like 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 lab rats and stuff like I mean like that they're very just cool with being able to I think that this, I think that there is a possibility to get funding for this I think most grant committees are going to throw this out I have, I really think they are I think the grant committees are going to go like no we're not we're not I have this. seen some of the funding that they that they have funded I think that it is completely possible Okay I'm just I may have been a part of some grants to I mean, do I'm some work and I'm not going to say we're some waste of time I, I I'm not going to say it's impossible. But mm-hmm. I think, like, you're not going to have a very competitive, like, grant bid. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Avis Rex, the Dark Phoenix, said, You gentlemen are the masters of mythology and folklore. Well, thank you, good sir. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. And That's thank, high praise. And thank you for the phenomenal artwork that you did for this episode as well. Uh, I'm, wait, wait, does this mean I'm as cool as Joseph Campbell? Because that's always been one of my goals in life. No, this means that Avis Rex is as cool as Joseph Campbell. There we go. There That's we go. what it is. Uh, I'm I'm merely uh, a pen to making your words and theories to, into images. That was said so nice. Also, I'm not a paleontologist officially, just a very avid enthusiast. Apology accepted, though. I'm glad to. I'm glad to do it for you guys. Well, thank you, thank you. We thank we you. love all your art. Thank you very much. We always appreciate. It. If you guys ever send us fan artwork, we will absolutely post it in the Discord and gush over it. We do appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much. All right, so now we're going to go into our topic for today. We're going to be talking, this is us kicking off uh, the rest of the month talking about underwater paranormal phenomenon. And I'm super excited about this. Actually, I want to talk about some of the crazy news that's been going on Oh, thank you. Thank you for stopping me on that. I appreciate that. Yeah. Because there's been some very strange news since our last episode. Uh, First thing, and I know some of our patrons were talking about this too. First thing that was really weird, somebody attacking the Georgia Guidestones. That was like super weird. It was like a week or so ago. I think it was on July seventh. Like some vandals blew it up, and there's and there's footage of a car driving away, and they still haven't found the people responsible for blowing it up. I don't think they're looking very hard. A well, lot of the a lot of the local officials were very on board with the destruction of the Georgia Guidestones well, already. Well, they just recently finished actually demolishing the damage that was already done, so they broke them down. But I mean, a lot of people. Did very, I mean, if you don't know what the Georgia Guidestones are, they're like these. There are a couple of these really like large slabs. And they're written in multiple languages. No home to this, but I'm pretty sure it's Greek, Sanskrit. Sanskrit. Sans- Sanskrit. Why would I say Sanskrit? Uh, Sumerian? I don't think Sumerian. Babylonian. Ba- Babylonian. Babylonian. Maybe Babylonian. Babylonian. Uh, in English. <laughs> I think <laughs> Chinese was on there as well. I thought it was four. It, oh, that. But anyway, but there's a lot of a lot of people at the time whenever they were built, uh, really didn't like a whole lot of the stuff whenever that it went up. So I'm really shocked that it took 40 years for somebody to finally like actually vandalize this well, thing. Well, people have been vandalizing it for years. Well, I mean, like, never to the point of actually blowing it up, like trying to actually like like take it out. I mean, I, I mean, and to be fair, like a lot of people be like. Like, Christians don't like it, and they say it's satanic and terrible. I'm like... There's tons of conspiracies surrounding the guide zones. And I'm just saying, in their defense, the stuff that's written on there is some pretty creepy stuff that most people I don't even really think are super on board for. Like, maintaining a human population under 500 million. It too too low. Yeah, that's a very low genocide number. (laughs) So... You know, I think a lot of people have uh, some issues um, some issues with that. And that's just, like, just for starters of some of the stuff that's written on there is a way to, like, just guide humanity to a better place. Like, I, I know this is a little bit of a hot take here, but I was never really that worried about the Georgia Guidestones. Well, my, they don't my do feeling, anything. Yeah, my feeling was this. Some weird person left it in their will and built a trust to have this built. Like I, I, it's not, it's not going to chase me right down and hurt me. I don't see a lot of people going, Hey, these are great ideas. 
Yeah, no, like, if the Jordan Guidestones were out there and then a bunch of people were like, oh, yeah, no, we, we should execute all of these, then I would be worried. Like, okay. So, like, I, I whenever it went up, a lot of people, were like, really disliked it. But a lot of the stuff has just been stuff that, honestly, like, I, I get it. It's like, you know, guiding reproduction, guiding, guide reproduction wisely, uniting humanity under one language, you know, ruling passion, faith, and tradition, all things. All stuff that I think that we've all been arguing about for the last, I don't know, 200,000 years. And I, I, <laughs> like, I, I will I will actually be on board with the universal language. I, I actually think that that's not the world's worst idea. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go the other way, that I think that a lot of people are very proud of their cultural languages that some people may not want to believe that we want to make an official worldwide language. I mean, yeah, no, oh, I, I'm not no, saying that I, I know, this isn't an idea without resistance. Just saying as to why maybe people have, people have been arguing about this 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 stuff since like you know since the dawn, since the dawn of time. So I don't really think that the Georgia Guidestones actually brought anything to light that people just ha- just cultures just haven't been arguing about for years. The other thing I wanted to talk about was mm-hmm. the find by Nathaniel Coyote uh, Peterson. Not someone I was familiar with, but Ellie was familiar with them and brought this to uh, my attention. He found, while in uh, Canada's British Columbia, this very strange sort of skull. Now, a lot of people are, have been attributing to him that he claims that it's a Bigfoot skull. To the best of my knowledge, he's not the one making the claims, but a lot of people around him have. But one of the things I'll say is that's a pretty damn primate looking skull. That looks like a prop from the King Kong movie. Like, I mean, it's huge. It It's not that big, I don't think. I'm pretty sure the photo of him standing next to him, it's as big as him, isn't it? Uh, I, I have a picture of it with his hand next to it, and it looks about correct for a potential gorilla skull. I'm pretty sure I saw a photo of it. Well, sorry. I think maybe. Yeah, looking at pictures of him handling it, um, no, it is not as big as him. Oh, man, I'm, I've totally messed that up. I really thought that was just him next to it. That's my bad. Uh, were you looking at a prop from King Kong? No, I wasn't <laughs> looking at the prop from King Kong. Why it looked no, like I was that. looking at the one that was zoomed in, so it was making it look way oh, bigger. okay. And the photo, and he's in a photo next to it. So it looks as though that they're about the same size. So that's where I'm messing that up. That's my bad. Like, I personally, okay. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Bigfoot is usually described with having a fairly flat, rounded face, very similar to a human. Mm-hmm. Where this thing doesn't seem to be that, it seems to have a form of maw. Mm-hmm. Like, this seems like a gorilla sculpture, although you do have that very pronounced sagittal crest, and this is definitely not something that should be native to British Columbia, mm-hmm. unless I'm just forgetting something. But this does look like a primate skull to me. Mm-hmm. Um, excuse me. Uh, like perhaps he found something that was planted there for him. Perhaps someone lost a gorilla skull in British Columbia, or maybe he's finding some of the last evidence of gorilla. The gorillas I mean, of British the, Columbia. The problem is, is like the the front part of the skull is sticking out way further from the eye sockets. So it's more like the forehead sticking out and the eyes slope inward. So it's more. So to me, it's it's it's. It doesn't fully look like a Bigfoot skull because it's it just seems like the forehead's way more pronounced. Yeah, I, I definitely don't think that I don't think that this is a skull that matches Bigfoot Mm-mm. descriptions very consistently. But assuming that this isn't like a um, fake out or this isn't something that someone had just lost there mm-hmm. is a pretty amazing thing because I'm I'm pretty willing to say that looks like a primate skull to me. I mean, I don't think that Coyote Peterson is the kind of guy that's gonna like make up stuff. Like, I've never really found, I've never really found any of his. I mean, I've just, I've never found him to make those sort of outlandish claims. Yeah, well, that's what Ellie told me. Like, like I said, I, I hadn't followed this guy before, but she's aware of him. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that he does a lot of normal stuff just with like with wildlife and stuff. So this just seems like it's kind of, it's just kind of weird. But I mean, that just don't hold, me, don't hold me to it. I just, I find it odd. But, like, assuming it's not faked or planted there for him to find, pretty amazing find. Mm-hmm. Tell us what you guys think about the Georgia Guidestones. Do you guys, and and, uh, and the kind of Peterson Bigfoot skull, do you think that it's actually a Bigfoot skull? Do you think that it's uh, just another type of primate? Let us know about the Georgia Guidestones, about whether or not if you think that this was, uh, what do you guys think about it? Like, do you think somebody just finally got enough and just blew it up? Do you guys think that it was an inside job? 
might get into a little bit more of that into the into the pillow talk segment or in another episode particularly. But I want to get some of your guys' initial thoughts because I'm not fully done looking into I'm not fully done looking into it yet. Okay. But for today, we wanted to talk about tentacles from the deep. Cue eerie Cthulhu music. Wait. <laughs> that's the closest that's the closest I got on the soundboard. Mm. But no, we're thinking about what did we want to talk about today? We were obviously wanting to talk about some sort of underwater cryptidy thing, and we're like, let's just do a grab bag tentacle thing. And I got what I want us to start out with. Mm-hmm. My favorite deep sea monster. Absolutely love this. Utterly absurd. The Luska. If you are not familiar with the Luska, if you really do want to dig into the folklore of what it looks like you do get a variety of descriptions but one of them i really 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 like imagine a giant shark that halfway through halfway down its body around where our belly button would be it decided it wants to be an octopus (laughs) that's right octo shark i absolutely love this thing i think it's a one of the coolest like supernatural cryptid things out there there's no way of there's no way of justifying this thing within biology. You're mixing vertebrate traits with invertebrate traits. I can't imagine if it's an animal how this thing could have evolved. But it is such a wonderfully interesting creature. Like it and looks, I can't wait to talk about like it. Like it looks like the kind of creature that you would fight in a D&D campaign. <laughs> oh yeah, I'd love to run this in a D&D game. Like it's just super cool. Like I just kept saying it's like it's got the brain of a shark and the brain of an octopus at the same time, which I don't know if makes it smarter or dumb. Like it's handicapped, like for the sake of like trying to like figure stuff out. Now, one thing about the Luska is it's bigger than either creature. There are a variety of different um, descriptions on how big the Luska could be, but the upper ends place it what around two hundred feet is one yeah, of the one yeah. of the higher numbers I found. Other people say it's closer to like say. 30 feet, which is still pretty big, and I've also seen 70 or in the 70s, uh, mainly in warm areas in the Bahamas is where it's sighted. It's supposedly, it's something that lives down in the blue spots. And yeah. the blue spots are like, imagine a sinkhole, but underwater, where suddenly there's just this super, super, super deep hole underwater. Yeah, like it's a, like if you look up photos of, uh, of blue holes, it really just does look like, You'll see these coral reefs, like a lot of times they're like coral reefs, there's blue seas, and then just this weird dark hole that looks like something's either about to come up or it's about to just flat out eat you. And there is something to be said about this. Think about the uh, the uh, primordial force that was found in China. Are you mm-hmm. familiar with this? Mm-hmm. Where there's this mostly underground area, but there is enough light for plant life to live, and you have these extremely distinct biomes down there with trees that look more like trees from a primordial period. Mm-hmm. Um, in these unique built spaces, you can really have unique life forms popping up. Um, you can It's kind of similar to um, Darwin's theory on islands and how islands seem to, or seem to bring out very distinct adaptations. So I would believe that there is potential for something unique to live around that area. Something I would like to throw out that might be more biologically feasible. These blue holes are deep spots in generally shallow water. Correct. And these are generally clear water areas where you can see through the water fairly easily. If you think of the silhouette of Aluska, the shark combined with uh, the octopus, what else would look like that when viewed from above? A shark and an octopus, like, together. Oh, giant squid. Yeah, giant squid. I, yeah. This really makes me think that, because, you know, the squid, it has that arrowhead shape to it. Um, I really think, like, say, a fisherman viewing it from above, basically looking down into the water and only seeing the shadow of it, could easily misread it as a creature that is part shark, part octopus. Well, and I think that's a lot more viable of a theory. Well, I mean, also, if you look at just what a blue hole looks like it just looks like an ominous part of the ocean <laughs> yeah like, like if you're gonna think like people have like mankind it's just like when you think about like just mankind's imagination and we just have to fill in the gaps like when you think about the sea like you just we can't help but just guess and fathom and try to make sense of what's down there 
And so, like, if you're trying to think of, like, something of, like, say, like, a giant crater, like, giant hole in the ocean of what could be lurking down there, just, to me, breeds, like, just this I this idea that the idea of making a monster or something that would, like, like live down there. Like, it just, it's the perfect storm of making something like that of what would live down there. Now, justifying in a shallow water area something along the lines of a 200-foot squid in itself is difficult. Like, a 200-foot, like, yes, the blue holes are big, but a 200-foot squid would be a very odd sort of body shape well, for that area. Well, I mean, octopuses also just don't get that long. I mean, they just don't get, and also I think that most, and I keep saying it, Humans are not good at estimating, <laughs> like, size. They're just not. We're just bad at it. I mean, it's just, it's just one of the things that we're just not very good at it. So I think a lot of times when people are probably just guessing the size of it. They're just going to over just guess of how, about how big something could be. Now, that's not to say this creature doesn't exist. I'm not saying that. Like, I'm just saying that maybe if it comes to the size of guessing of why they're maybe saying it's that big. But at that, I, I, would, I would say there's probably some hyperbole going on with the size. And you're 100% correct. Octopi do not get that big. Right. Even giant octopi are not that big. Like it, it reminds me but, of like it reminds me of this. It reminds me of the scene from like True Lies. They're like, why would they say it's why would they say it's that big? Because it sounds scary. <laughs> but squid, on the other hand, True. can be very big. Um, I think the largest squid that we've ever found was somewhere around forty some feet. Right. I don't remember the exact number, but it was big. Are you trying to say the people of the Bahamas can't tell the difference between an octopus and a squid? No, I'm saying that if you're viewing right, right, from right. a fishing boat <laughs> looking yeah. down, the silhouette of a large squid, which you're probably not that familiar with seeing, is going to look a lot like a half right. shark, half right. octopus. Right. I'm using our normal argument that people try to make about people just from the area not being able to recognize their own animals. Well, I mean, they're the probably community. looking right. down several layers of water. Yeah. Um, they're, they're probably not getting a real close look at this because, you know, water does distort to a degree. Um, like, I could legitimately see some form of giant squid specialized living in these um, these deep water holes coming out periodically to feed when it's exhausted its normal feeding source. I don't really think that that's far outside the realm of possibility. And a lot of people when the, a lot of people who are studying the few remains we have of actual large squid, um, they're really not... A, we, we've learned a lot from them. One of the things we haven't figured out is where are these creatures on their growth cycle? Are these young? Are these older? And one scientist had argued that they think that we're looking at juveniles due to a lack of uh, sexual reproductive uh, organs being in a state of functionality. Um, so they postulated that most of the giant squids and colossal squids we found are actually still juveniles. Well, like with sharks, they just keep getting bigger, don't they? Like, because they age? I mean, they just, um, I mean, they max out, I guess. Yeah, to a point, yeah. But squid kind of, okay, squid have a very unique body, body shape, almost entirely exclusive to them and this isn't true of um like say other cephalopods um you know how like octopi are known for being very intelligent they have a very unique uh brain structure well to be um, fair the brain's gonna be in the shark part just well saying, just saying <laughs> the squid brain is very strange in the animal world it's imagine a donut and they have these kind of round shaped brains like a donut and guess what's going through the hole? What? Their esophagus. So, when a squid eats something too large, what do you think can happen to it? Oh, it takes out its brain. Yeah, it, it takes out its brain. It can effectively cause uh, something that would be akin to a stroke. Um, they just have very unique, strange biology. And not always in the best ways. Like that's a that's I would call that a bad design. But um, it, it it's one of the reasons like squid are not that intelligent in comparison to like say octopi. Their brain structures are very different from an octopi, and they also have these issues of uh, the organ doesn't have a lot of opportunity to grow as it evolves because mm -hmm. you're then shrinking your esophagus and you still run to the same issue of if you swallow something too big. It's stroke time. Um, 
so they, they just had this very strange sort of uh, sort of biology when it comes to that. Well, you get like shark. I mean, the problem is you're dealing with something that's supposed to be like half shark, half squid. So it's sort of like at the same time, what happens if like if it eats something too big? Do you know what a shark will go? Is like it's time to bone, <laughs> like because that's pretty much kind of how like that's when great white sharks breed a lot is around like massive when eat when it's when it's eating like a large a huge meal like like something like, like my only assumption assumption is if it is part shark part octopus there would have to be this amazing leap of uh convergent evolution where it as a vertebrate had suddenly independently evolved these octopi like structures and the nervous system to properly utilize them. Now, if we're talking about, like, some people do speculate that the Luska is a spiritual creature, that it's more of a spirit animal of the ocean. Now, that, sure, yeah, spirit animals, I to the best of my knowledge, do not have to follow normal, <laughs> natural law. So, yes, if it's something like a manifestation of the ocean or some sort of divine creature, yes, sure, perhaps. But if we're talking about it in the context of biology... Nothing about this makes sense. Like, for example, where does it eat from? It has two eaty holes. <laughs> like, like the, the design of the Lusco would mean it eats in its back end and its front end. Well, to be fair, though, I think that one of the things that it could do, it probably eats like a shark because the back part of it would shoot it like a jet. Like how a normal shark would attack where it would open its mouth and it might breach or, or eat something. I think that it could still eat that. I think that it could still hunt, though. Um, well, perhaps, but the question is more like, could it hunt effectively? And truthfully, I don't think it could because, okay, when a shark comes at you and is trying to attack you, what part's coming at you first? Uh, I would say a giant sense of dread. Well, okay, yes, of course. <laughs> but the mouth, it's, it's predatory strategy is Wide to open. basically rush that big yes. old mouth at you. Yes. Now, when an octopi attacks... What does it lead with? It leads with the tentacles. Yeah, it leads with the tentacles in this wide neck-catching motion with the beak open. Or if we're talking about a squid, it'll use um, its uh, lo the longer... I can't remember the name right. for it. No, wait, no. The tentacles are the long, shooty, grabby tentacles on a squid. And the other ones are referred to as arms, I believe. Um, but it's going to like basically harpoon with the really long, um, long tentacles and drag in. But once again, it's going to be that part forward. Uh, this thing, I guess, could attack two directions, but I don't think that's as good as, like, the shark strategy or the octopus strategy. Well, I think one of the ways that they, well, I mean, if it if it travels light, well, I think octopus can shoot themselves. Well, I mean, squid can. I mean, depending yeah, on yeah, the squid. Yeah. Uh, octopus, squid, cuttlefish, they can all do the jet thing to various yeah, capabilities. Which I think is really good synergy to a shark attack, which it's rushing you. Which is one of the things that they, that it would do. So I think that it's still, I think that's still uh, feasible for hunting. I do. I don't think with the mouth open, it could create the pressure to produce the jet. Like, I, I, I kind of feel like that it might not work that way. I, I'm not a shark slash squid biologist here. I could be incorrect. Maybe it totally could build the pressure with this body shape. Mm -hmm. I just feel somewhat doubtful. Unless the shark part's supposed to be like a decoy or something. I still think the shark part is really just someone missing the squid half of it. No. So I'm going to make the case here that I think what this is, what the Luska is, is evidence of a glitch in the matrix. I think that what this is evidence is someone has hacked the code of, of the program that we all apparently are in, and someone did a cheat code, and they entered the Luska into existence as a gaff. That's I mean, what I think that it is. History is filled with weird chimeric creatures. I, that is a thing, so maybe there's some function that causes these weird chimeric creatures or something like that, but I couldn't begin to explain what that function would be. A glitch in the Matrix? Sure. I, I kind of hope that the Leska exists as Sharktopus. That is such a freaking cool design. I'm just saying, scientifically, it does not pan... I, I, I can't conceive of ways to make this work outside of miracles. I... Honestly, if you if you really think about the sh the sharktopus, it kind of sounds like the explanation that Mrs. Garrison gave in South Park for <laughs> evolution. 
uh, whenever she whenever she was like trying to badmouth evolution. I was like, got a shark to post, one shark saw an octopus, decided to boat it. They had sex, that they made a sex to puss. <laughs> like just angrily or something like that. Like this, that might, that's kind of what it reminds me of. There are reports periodically of Luskas washing up. Many of them are older reports. Many of them are hard to. We're getting to it. We're, we're building up to it. But, but many of them, they weren't well documented outside of this washed up. It seemed to have been part shark and part octopus, and there's mm-hmm. just rare references to it. With one exception, the St. Augustine monster. And I'll, I'll, you seem like you were wanting to jump in at that point. Well, I, mean, I was talking about the one in 2011. Oh, oh, okay. No, enlighten no, me on no, it. Enlighten me on it. I thought we were going no, someplace no, else. No, no, no. so it, it was on January 18th, 2011, off the, um, it was off the island of uh, Grand Bahama, Grand Bahama Island. A carcass washed up on shore, and most people thought that what washed up on shore was only a, like a part of something. Like it already began to decompose, and they thought that it was, and it was like part of a head, and some of the mouths of it, and it was about twenty to thirty feet when it washed up on shore. And everybody's like, this, thought it was Alaska. Some people thought it was whale fat. Some people thought it was other stuff. Like, like it was just a de- decomposing whale. Because I mean, you see lobsters and stuff washing up all of the time. And like, there's other reports too of like any time that any sort of body washes up, you'll see some like local papers and stuff that'll do that. And you can see some some chatter of some people trying to claim that it's like either evidence of the Leska or food or evidence that it was feeding out there or something. Is it is it this picture? Is that the right picture? I want to make sure I'm looking at the right yeah, thing. Yeah, that's the right one. Okay, okay. I love looking at lobsters. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Let's let's get this popped up and dig into this. My first thought is the coloration does remind me of how uh, how fat tends to discolor in sun. One of the downsides of lobsters like this, a lot of people say, why can't we just test it and get its DNA? Yeah. A lot of people don't realize um, sun tends to bleach DNA to being 100% useless. And by the time a lobster makes it to shore, it's pretty damn bleach. Also, why? Just here's another thing. Why would peop- Why would the government care? Like seriously, like like because because if they don't test it, all people just do is speculate. So they never prove anything. So why would they really want to test it if they were trying to hide evidence of it? Well, a lot of people wonder why science can't just do that and give us conclusive answers. And the problem is, like, there's usually no good testi- testable DNA. Yeah, you also just generally just can't stop scavenger animals showing up by the time that it does. Like most of the time, these lobsters are washing up on islands. It's not like, you know, it's not like scientists with DNA kits are nearby to be able to get there just as quickly. To be able to, to get there. And beyond that, it's also gone through the process of maturation through uh, the water, where basically the, the body has stretched and condensed and has moved with the water, and it basically has uh, caused it to warp and fall apart. Right. Um, a, mas- a macerated body is basically just barely held together. Um, looking at this, to tell you the truth, I can't, I can't tell the difference between this one and most other lobsters. It looks like... My first guess is a basking shark. Basking sharks decay in very odd sort of ways. Like, you know that um, that famous picture of the plesiosaur carps being pulled oh, yeah. out? Yeah. That's probably a basking shark because a rotting basking shark, for some reason, looks a lot like a plesiosaur. <laughs> or, or the government has tricked me into thinking that that's true. Also a possibility. But I kind of think this might be a basking shark. But maybe not. I, it's a globster. It's hard to tell what it could be. Maybe it is a Leska. <sighs> Too hard to say. But the St. Augustine monster was another time when a uh, when a globster had washed up. And basically, this one actually went through a degree of documentation. People from the news had come out, viewed it. Um, there were things written on it. And there were scientists that looked at it. And the first naturalist who showed up basically examined and went, new species of octopus, way bigger than anything else, just massive species of octopus. He claimed that he was able to find tentacles and other signs of it being 
taxonomically a octopus. To be fair, this is like 1896. Yeah, so it's like, They were still discovering animals at this point, too, okay? I'm like, I just don't want you to be like... We're still like, discovering yeah. animals today. Well, I know, but I've been like, it just sounds like someone just saying, oh, we don't know what this is. Like, it just... To be fair, this was like 120 years ago. And just, he just, named, just saying. He named the new species Octopus Giganteus. Extremely creative. <laughs> um... But then, like, some like tests that. were sent a- sent away and uh, were studied and came back. They're saying, like, no, this is just whale fat. And it started a bit of an academic argument with most people eventually accepting that it was whale fat. Um, one of the things I would like to say, though, is I don't know how you could conclusively prove in that time period that it was sperm whale blubber. Um, they say that in 1995, there was a conclusive study on it being consistent with uh, sperm whale blubber because they still had the um, they still had the uh, test sample still preserved. But I don't know exactly how they're going to determine that. I would be very surprised if there was still usable DNA in it. Perhaps there was. Maybe they got very lucky. But. One of the things is between the bleaching, the maturation, and then the formaldehyde they probably had to store it in. Uh, I'm a little surprised they were able to get a conclusive answer, but I can't dispute it either. Right. It's not like I have my own test sample to go over, and I don't know how to, delete, how to do DNA sequences. I mean, that's way above me. I mean, again, it, it's not like to say that we can just easily test this because I mean, if you look at the Montauk Monster, like in the early 2000s. Nobody tested that, and everybody still argues about whether or not if it was a raccoon or a possum or something like that, and and still still to this day. And actually, multiple of those things were washing up on the shore of the United States during that time. And I don't think anybody was ever just going out and testing anything. So I think that's why it's hard for us to, like, test some of these globsters to wash up to see if they're really like the Luska. Or, and to be fair, you know, that's to say globsters washing up are maybe evidence – that they are Aluska, they could be evidence of Aluska eating something. You know, to, to be to be fair, because um, you know it's a, a really weird phenomenon. By the way, I'd like to point out though, this is something that I thought that was really interesting. Uh, you never since since the invention of like TikTok and the Instagram reel, you still never see anybody ever still you like like doing out like photographic evidence of these globsters that have ever washed up. They still don't make it to social media, which I think oh, is... So, sometimes they do. Sometimes I haven't do. seen any, like, I haven't seen any reels of anything like that that have popped up. Not, maybe not in the last five you don't, years. You don't, you don't have Instagram or TikTok. Yeah, but it usually eventually gets around to me. Like, I'm not saying that it's not on Instagram, but I'm saying, like, just some of this evidence. I mean, to be fair, though, who really wants to take, like, a photograph of a decomposing animal? I get it, but... I still do find it kind of odd when it comes to... It might, it might also violate their TOS... Because like, yes. remember, remember when right. we did the our Montauk Monster video on YouTube? What was oh, YouTube's God. response to our video on the Montauk? Oh, like demonetized it, being like, "This might be insensitive for some people to see." I'm like, "I've seen what you put on your website, people. Like, I know." Okay, don't give me none of that crap. Yeah, but ultimately, they deemed it a violation of the TOS, or at least to the point. Where I we want evidence. It. I want globsters on my social media. <laughs> okay. I am okay with Globsters being on my social media. I don't seem to, I don't think it's that bad. Uh, I, I would agree with you. If uh, I Globsters got a, no more, I think, uh, repulsive than any sort of preserved specimen. Uh, if I got to see Kim Kardashian shaking her ass on Instagram, I want to see. I'm okay with seeing a Globster. Okay, thank you very much. Such an old reference, Boomer. Oh, we're, <laughs> we're both old. We're both pushing forty. Don't give me that. Sorry, it was just a, I complaining I mean, about the Kardashians. It's very old. That's fair. <laughs> like I don't know who you complain about nowadays. Maybe the weekend. I I don't know. I don't I don't know who else to complain about. Like on on that. I mean, it's not like I'm on that that much. But okay one one of the things I did want to talk about is you have to be somewhat careful going down the study of these strange tentacled creatures because. I want to talk about some of the ones that I'm pretty sure are not real. Like, the Luska, I actually really legitimately think that this could be a misidentified, unknown species of large squid. Because we know squids can get large, the description of the Luska, although fantastical, 
does still lend to what the shadow of a squid would look like. I think there's some serious possibility here. You have you heard of organism or organism forty six B? No. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give you the quick and dirty of it. It was supposedly this octopi-like tentacled organism that was found below a ice lake in uh, Russia some years ago, and that um, when they're drilling down there, they had discovered it was very intelligent, super poisonous, and that basically Putin had it stolen to be used for uh, secret research and stuff. We, we had mentioned this, I think, when the story first hit four years ago, five years ago. Now I'm pulling this up now. now I'm, I remember this. It's getting there, yeah. I remember that. The story had a lot of holes in it, particularly since the lake that they're talking about in this. Um, I've, I could try to pronounce it, but I really don't think I'm going to get it right. If you look into it, you'll find the name of the lake real easy. Oh, 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 Vostok? It, yeah, Vos, that, it was yeah. at Vos... Yeah, Lake Vostok. There, you, you say it. I, I just don't like it right. Vostok. I'll say that again. First, uh, the research people that were there... Were, they were digging a borehole at this time to study what life might live in the liquid water below a massive, massive amount of ice. The problem is these boreholes are tiny. They're very small. It's just enough for to get a water sample. I don't know how you'd get like a 30-foot creature back up through that hole, and I don't think they're going to be able to dig a hole through that ice for that far in that environment to get it out, no matter how much Putin would have wanted this creature, I just don't think he could have gotten it. Beyond that, um, there, it's very likely that this was a fictional story that was basically like a creepy pasta that had spiraled out of control. I'm not saying that that couldn't be that could actually be faked very easily, but I think this time it's true because I can't think of how they could have gotten that out of there. Well, the weird thing is, this is this just sounds like a cooler story than what it is. Because at the, the core of it, it's more or less just like this tentacle creature that just has a poison that they wanted. To be fair... It they, was, like, hyper-intelligent. Yeah. They have access to these animals already. Like, it's not like you just can't find poisonous animals, like, in the Russian wilderness or even off the coasts. Like, I just... I, I That was the part that I found weird, that even if it was real, like... And what, what's Putin going to do with this super poison? Is he going to is he going to dip every Russian bullet in it? No, he's going to dip their nukes in it so that they're more effective. <laughs> that's 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 what he's going to do. Like for the most part, I just like I just don't think it pans out very well. I think it's more likely to be a hoax than not. Oh, never mind. Oh, also part of the story is that this thing could shape shift into people. I'm reading yeah. another part of the story here. That sounds a little bit more interesting about why particularly now Putin might be interested in it. I forgot about that aspect of the story. Which truthfully wouldn't be impossible for an octopus-like creature. Um, they Their shape-shifting ability is absolutely nuts. Now, for it to then be able to walk on land, that's where it's stretched. But, like, there's even octopi that will run on two legs. Like, they'll do this thing underwater where they'll wrap four of their tentacles together, then four of their tentacles together, basically making two legs, and then run like heck to get away from an enemy. That's something that some octopus do sometimes. I've seen video of it. It looks really weird. That's a far stretch from shape-shifting. <clears throat> oh, no, but shape-shifting is something that they can do. They can. We don't know how they can do it. But octopi, it depends on the species to what capability they can, can fully mimic the color and texture of objects that they even haven't seen. We're not sure how they do it, but they can. Like, we, we've tested this repeatedly. Their shape-shifting power is beyond any other animals. I don't know. I, I mean, I still think that they're saying that they shape-shift into the form of a human diver, which now takes this way up a way up a notch. I don't know if, I don't know if they would get... Now, to be fair, what this could have been, what this could have been them doing something like what you're talking about, and then it's just, like, just blew up out of proportion of, like, exaggerating what they were talking about, what they did. So that that may have been something that I mean, may have happened. Either way, if they found it down there, they couldn't have gotten it. I can't, I are don't think they could have gotten it Are you going to find octopuses, though, that, like, can, in ice cold, like, that they're drilling ice into? Up there well, in Russia? Well, the, the question is, is have, do we have examples of octopi in that lake? Because that lake is so unique that it's hard to make a comparison to. Like, I don't, I don't, think, I don't think that there's octopuses in, like, that were, like, where they're having to, like, drill straight through ice like that. I don't think Well, it is liquid water a certain ways down, and octopi can survive in Arctic conditions. That specific Arctic condition is so unique, you can't really make a comparison to it. So I can't Fair. compare it to another example and say, 
there are or not octopi there because it is purely it's a purely unique like situation there. Mm-hmm. Um, we're using it to study what life could be like on Europa. That is how alien this biome is mm-hmm. because it's been cut off from the surface for freaking forever. I don't remember how long, but it's been a very long time. Mm-hmm. Mm. But like, oh god, we're pretty much out of time. Can, can we can we do one more story that's kind of along yeah, those same yeah, lines? Sure, sure. The other one I'd say is take with a grain of salt, but maybe not too big of a grain of salt, is the story of the Oklahoma octopus. Um, it's these three lakes in Oklahoma where there's supposedly a abnormally high amount of deaths attributed to drowning. And that sometimes when uh, you're fi- they're fishing the corpses back out, there's octopi-like suction cups on there. Um, like basically wounds from them. Um, I think that this was something that was a slight story bore by those legends of those bodies looking like that, which I do believe they came out like that, but I have an explanation. And then when the Lost Tapes franchise did their Oklahoma octopus thing, it basically exploded. When it comes to trying to trace down any of these stories, it all goes back to that episode. I just think that this one's unlikely to be real. And for why those suction cup shaped wounds, those are lakes that have lampreys that get into them. Yeah, they'll just and yeah, lampreys will leave suction cup like yeah, wounds. That'll just do that. Like I'm just saying, if you if you want to believe in like Oklahoma octopuses, I've got a story about Lake Michigan great white sharks. Just which, by the way, I would love to do. By the way, is a story. By the way, because that's a that's a that's a really interesting conversation. But at that, I think there might be octopi in the, in the Ohio River because of the falls of the Ohio. But to be fair, I'm not convinced that great white sharks might not be living in Lake Michigan. <laughs> that is fascinating. I'm looking forward to hearing this story. Is that what we're doing in the patron segment? Because you have me want to hear about this. No, 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 no. I just I I would like to talk about that for a full episode, not necessarily in the patron section. Um, but let it. What are you, what are some final thoughts on like the Luska and the second two that you that you brought okay. up? The Luska isn't really taken seriously in crypto circles, in my opinion, because of its incredibly fantastical body shape. But when you put yourself into the context of the time period and allowing yourself to think that this is something that they're probably looking down on through different um, different darknesses, different amounts of debris in the water, they're probably only getting an outline. And I think the outline... Become something that could legitimately be a big creature. We could be ignoring a somewhat shallow water giant squid, which we know giant squids are real, but we could be ignoring a rare shallow water variant just because the core story is very fantastical. I think it actually does merit more looking into. I think what the Luska is, I think it's an example of, I think for years, sailors have been reported seeing giant squids. I think they've been reporting seeing these large sea creatures, but unfortunately we can't get, you know, physical evidence of it because it's not like photographs existed. And everybody thought they were crazy that sea monsters existed. But I think that the Luska is, is I think what, I think that it is from that, like people reported seeing giant squids and then it's just this massive game of telephone of people just, just making these fanciful stories about things like that to represent a real experience that somebody had before. I'm not saying it's. I'm not saying that that doesn't make the story any less cool. I still think it's very awesome. I think it's a great part of folklore. I think it's a really interesting cryptid. Makes a phenomenal D and D monster for your players to fight, 100. But I think that's what it is. I think that it's. I think it's people exaggerating stories of giant squids that sailors have been seeing for years. If anyone finds a stack block for a shark to post for D and D, send it to me because I need to scare the poop out of my players. Yeah. Uh, tell us more about what you guys think about the Leska. Are there other examples of it that we failed to bring up? Do you guys have any other thoughts on whether or not if it can be real? We didn't really even get into the Hollow Earth, and that maybe something that big could be hiding underwater. Like, we didn't really get into any of that. So if anybody has thoughts about that, put that in the comments below. I'm not going to lie. I didn't think of that. Mm-hmm. But that's a neat idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, if you guys like this, don't forget to like, subscribe, hit that notification bell so you guys can stay up to date whenever we put out new content. But until next time, guys. Keep believing. Because we'll keep listening. All right, everybody. We're going to slide into the Pillow Talk segment of our podcast. If you want to check out the rest of this awesome podcast, all I got to do is go over to our Patreon and sign up. 
For as little as a dollar a month, you get the rest of our awesome podcasts as well as bonus episodes that we put up. And if you sign up for $2 or more of a month, you get access to the poll to vote on the theme for the for the, the month. Uh, and right now, currently winning on our poll is Nuclear Paranormal Phenomenon. Awesome. Uh, with some other ones up there, such as Past Life Phenomenon, The Apocalypse, and Famous Paranormal Investigators. Uh, I'd also like to bring up, and it might be slightly concerning, that during the break, Vic immediately asked me to take off my shirt. And I thought okay. that that was kind of concerning. Okay, no, this was not something that was weird. It was he's just sitting, out of nowhere. He's sitting over there, sweating like crazy, complaining about being hot, saying he's feeling nauseous like he's overheating. He's dripping sweat. He looks like he's about to die.